0: grace shall always be my song of praise. For it was grace that bought my liberty. I do not know just why he came. So, oh, my need, I shall.
1: straight.
2: Praise the Lord. That's good. Amen. Take your Bible, turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And we are in our series, uh, Finish Strong. And today is the last uh, in that series. And so the title of the message is real simple, Finish Strong. And so we're going to go ahead and take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to read verses 6 and 7. And uh, so go ahead and turn there if you would, please. I... I'll be honest with you, my feelings were somewhat hurt this morning in my Sunday school class. I shared some of the best that I had, (laughs) jokes that is, and they were not received well. And so I thought I would test them on you to see if it's just the singles that don't appreciate and cannot appreciate my humor. And so let me just share these statements with you, and I hope they'll be a blessing as we go forward with finishing strong. I wonder how do trees get online? They just log in. <laughs> see, that's right. See, that's good. Did you hear that? Do you see that? See, the singles now are being embarrassed right now as you are enjoying these. And I once say to watch. It was time consuming. Why do French people eat snails? Because they won't touch fast food. See? See, there are some people that appreciate good humor. I had to clean out my spice rack and found everything was too old and had to be thrown out. What a waste of time. And finally, last but not least, I tried to sue the airport for misplacing my luggage. I lost my case. Okay, see, I knew that there would be those that would appreciate them. I think that the singles need to appreciate me more in my joke telling. And so I think that this has been a lesson to them. Very good. They don't seem to be laughing now either. But anyway, 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verses 6. We're going to read through verse 6 and 7. The Bible says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. i fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. It seemed like yesterday that the Apostle Paul found himself on the road to Damascus. And while on that road, he had the privilege of meeting with the Lord Jesus Christ. As he looks back in his life, he can't help but remember that day fondly. It changed his life. It changed the course of his life. It changed history. And it seemed like yesterday. And yet, between that day and this passage many years have passed probably 30 or more and as he looks back he remembers it fondly and he thinks boy it was like yesterday but then there's also a a sense that it has been a long time a lifetime ago there his life was transformed and changed he would no longer pursue the saint but now he would pursue the sinner the gospel became his life He preached and he taught the word of God and he he impacted and he influenced the world with the gospel. It wasn't that long ago in Corinth that he had told them, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And although Paul was willing to Leave at any moment. He was willing to literally end his life on this earth and go to heaven where he could spend an eternity with the Lord. He understood the dire need to remain behind. While writing to the Philippians, he made the statement in Philippians chapter 1, verse 23 and 24, for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you Boy, the Apostle Paul said, man, if it was up to me, I'd be gone. If it was up to me, I'd already be in heaven with him. But, you know, the truth is, is that as much as I long for heaven, your need is greater than my longing. So the Apostle Paul would continue to minister, and he would continue to reach out and win souls and build churches and instruct men and women of God. The Apostle Paul would go through the the ministry and make an impact in the world in which we lived. Now it's been 30 plus years of service. 30 plus years of sacrifice. And we see him writing in 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 and 7, stating that it's now time for him to depart. He says, for I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. His time had come. That longing to be in heaven was going to be reality soon. It would seem to me that he had some kind of insight, that he had been informed some way that this was the end, that this was, he was closing in on his final days on earth and He takes inventory of his life now. And he summarizes it as follows. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You know, his fight was a good one. I mean, it isn't that he fought well. That's not for him to decide. So that wasn't what he was saying. What he's saying is that the battle that he fought, the fight that he was in, was a good battle. It was a worthwhile fight. He continues by saying, I finished my course. The truth is, is that each of us has a course to run, don't we? And God has a plan for your life, and he has a plan for my life. Paul's days are numbered, and his life is coming to an end on earth. And he concludes by saying, I have kept the faith. I've kept the faith. We learn a valuable truth from this statement that's often overlooked. Paul didn't say, I've kept my faith. I've remained faithful. I've stayed true to the course. I've done everything right. I've kept it all together. No, he says, I've kept the faith. See, you don't have your faith, and I don't have my faith. It's the faith. Look, if you would, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, again, some will debate whether or not the Apostle Paul is the writer of that particular book or not, but I kind of get the impression that he was. Whether he was or isn't really isn't that awfully important. It's still God's Word. But we do note that it's being spoken here. And whether or not it's, again, him as the author or not. And again, I give him credit for it. But then again, if you don't, that's okay too. We'll be all right. He says here in the passage, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about, chapter 12, verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Note it says, let us run with patience the race. See, we're not to run our own race. We're to run the race. It's the race. And while addressing the Corinthians, Paul paints a picture of our life of faith and he paints it as one of a race. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, and 25, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run, that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. See, the race, uh, those racing in the games Paul's alluding to and speaking of went to great lengths to obtain what he refers to as corruptible crowns. Often those crowns were headbands, basically, that were made of perishable material. Materials such as wild olive or, or parsley or celery or something. sometimes it was even pine. Countless hours, days, weeks, months, years were spent training and preparing and enduring in order to obtain a corruptible crown to simply place that corruptible crown on their head, to be able to raise their hand in victory and say, I won! I'm the best! The same's true today, isn't it? And we have our Olympics, and those athletes spend uh, their lives striving and working to obtain a medal of gold, a, a silver bron- or bronze medal. But either way, it's still a corruptible crown, if you will. Like Paul, you and I are running a race, the race, that lends itself to an incorruptible crown, one that fades not away, one that endures the test of time and eternity. It was on August the 21st, 2008, that the United States Men's Relay Team went to Beijing with high expectations and high hopes. They were the favorite headed into the competition, the 4 by 100 relay race. But in the very first event, headed around the last turn, and handing off the baton for the final leg of the race, distra- disaster struck. The third leg runner headed around the turn in the lead, He was out front by just a few lengths, and when he he made the exchange, he placed the baton in the hand or tried to reach the hand of the ongoing, the one that would go forward, and it was dropped, and the team was disqualified. To that point, the race was going wonderfully. To that point, the baton had been passed flawlessly. To that point, every exchange had went wonderfully and things were going well and they were in the lead. They were expected to win the gold medal. They were expected to bring it home to America. But yet, in that very first race, on the last turn, the final handoff of the baton, it was dropped. They were disqualified and never finished the race. You know... The Bible's talking about the faith. It's talking about the race. And Paul ran his course. See, I believe today that from the Bible we can draw a picture of what this Christian life is that we live and how it is to work. And as we think about, in the end, finishing strong, how is it? What is it that we need to do to finish strong? I believe today that what we find is that the Christian life in which we live and the faith in which we serve and, and, and we grow in and we live in is one faith. It's the Word of God. It's the principles, the, 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 uh, the actual beliefs that God has outlined in the Word of God. It's not something that you decide or I decide. It's not something that, that we can change or twist or turn. It's the faith. It's the word of God, the principles, the statutes, the commands, all of those things. It's the gospel. It's, it's the Christian life. It's the, 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 the sanctification of the believer. It's everything, and it is the faith. And we're running the race. It is one race. It's from the beginning to the end of time. It's from the time that God instilled these truths and, and shared these truths to the time that ultimately we are with Him. And so we have this relay race, and if you will. Biblically and scripturally, it's not just that you run a race. You are running in the race. And that race is for the faith. And so I want Josh. Come on up here, would you please, Josh? And I need Cody. Where's Cody? Man, these guys are runners on the bus I drive. And let me tell you something. I was watching Cody run today, and I, I tell you, he was tearing it up. I wouldn't want to get in front of him if he had a helmet and shoulder pads on. He had to lit me up. And Josh is out there. He's like Flash Gordon. They're, they're like the wind, these guys are. And so, what we're going to see here in just a moment is, is that basically the Christian life and the faith in which we believe and that we live in and that we trust to take us to heaven one day is the faith. It's not just my faith, it's God's word. It's his principles. It's his truths. It's his commands. It's his statutes. And it's all one race. And from the time the Apostle Paul stepped out onto the court to the time that we now sit here in this auditorium, it's, been a, it's the race that's been run, but it's a relay race. And every generation has to run the race and pass on the faith. And so it is, in a sense, a relay. So I just want to make the center section the the course, all right? Kind of like a lap. Now, don't run too fast, all right? I don't want you to trip like you almost did out there. Remember when you almost fell today? I wish I'd had a video and saw it happen and caught it. No, I don't, right? Okay. All right, so he's got the baton, right? He's going to run his portion of the race. Okay, he's off and running. Go. Now, this could represent a race that was run back in 100 AD. It could uh, 1,000 AD. It could 1,500 AD. But in our case, it's the year 2019. And here comes Cody now. Slow down a little bit. And Cody's got the baton. He's got the faith. He's running the race. And he's going to finish his course. What needs to happen to keep the faith going? What needs to happen to, maintain that the race, to ensure that the race continues? He's got to pass the baton of faith. He's got to make sure that he hands it down to the next generation. He's got to make sure that it doesn't end with him. And he has to make that, that handoff and he has to make it correctly. He's got to make sure that it gets handed off. Sometimes it may get a little bit twisted and fuddled and and, and mixed up a little bit. It may mean that he has to slow down a little bit. But one way or another, he better transfer, he better pass on the baton to the next generation. Because if he doesn't, the faith ceases to exist. And so he comes around that final turn. And these guys both take off running. And he eventually hands off the baton. And there he goes. Cody's race is done. Cody has finished his course. He's gone. He's in heaven now. But here comes the next runner. Now the next generation is carrying the baton. The next generation is carrying the faith. And they're in the race. But wait a second. Josh's race is coming to a close. His course is almost finished. He's going to have to pass down the baton of faith again. Every generation has to pass down the baton of faith. Thanks fellas. See we are in a a relay race if you will in the Christian life. And the fact is is that each and every one of us is running our course. And, and, and Paul called it my course. You have a course to run. God has a purpose and a plan. And he wants you to take the gospel to your friends, your family, your acquaintances, those that are around you, those people in the world that are dying and going to hell. He wants you to pass that faith. He wants you to share that faith. He wants you to give it to the next generation. And let me tell you something. Young people today need the gospel. They need the word of God. All you need to do is go out in the world and see the, con- the chaos and the confusion that exists in the world we live. And you know that this right here has to be passed passed down this faith is to be passed down is to be transferred is to be transmitted to the next generation if we're going to finish strong each and every one of us need to take the baton of faith and pass it down to the next generation well, you don't understand, I, I, I don't have any influence. You don't realize, I, I, I don't know anybody. And you, you got to understand, pastor, that, that, see, I'm not a preacher or I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I'm not involved like that. Let me tell you, friend, as a believer in Christ, you are, you are running the race. Whether you're running it well or not, let me tell you, I don't know, but let me tell you, you're in the race and you have a responsibility to pass on the baton of faith to the next generation. Whether it's your children, whether it's your grandchildren, whether it's your great-grandchildren, I don't care who it is, got to pass it on. Because if you don't, where will we be the next generation? We want to finish strong. Paul's coming to the end of his life. For 30 or more years now, he's been living the Christian life. For 30 or more years, he's been sharing the gospel. For 30 or more years, he's been planting churches and building believers and he's been trying to leave a legacy so that one day when he passes off the scene, when his course is finished, the baton of faith has been passed and God, his word, and the faith continue. We live in a generation where people are teaching our children in schools that we are, are here by accident, by chance. There's no designer. There's no God. There's no creation. It's simple random evolution. It just happened. A big bang. Are you kidding me? And yet, if we're not careful, we shut our mouths and we do nothing about that and we never once tell people that there is a God and that it's important that they follow Him, that they receive His Son, Jesus Christ, or they'll die, perish, and go to hell. My friend, it's your responsibility, it's my responsibility to pass the baton of faith. So how do we successfully pass the baton to the next generation? Let me give you just three simple thoughts and we're done. Number one, run faithfully now what i mean by that is is remain true to the word of god remain doctrinally sound maintain biblical distinction toward god and before the world i am watching a generation discard biblical truth and principles of separation because we want to fit in and be comfortable We don't want to identify with a God who is distinct and different than the world in which we live. But my friend, he is holy and he is righteous and we've got to be holy as well. Be holy, for I am holy, he says. And someone says, well, it's impossible to be perfect. It's impossible to be holy in the world in which we live. We are mere flesh. My friend, if you're given a command by God, we are given the ability to achieve it. And my friend, the moment you cease to try to reach that pinnacle or to reach that standard, my friend, you have given up, thrown in the towel, and you've thrown down the baton. It's time that we remain faithful, faithful to this, this faith that we hold true to the biblical distinction of a believer, that we say it's not enough to simply say, I believe God. We've got to live that way. Right. The Bible tells us in Matthew five sixteen, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your God, your father, which are in heaven. He tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Do you know what makes you perfect? You know what makes you holy? Is his presence in your life. Let me ask, you, you can't live good enough to be holy or righteous, or to be perfect. You can't, and neither can I. What makes me perfect and what makes me holy Is his presence in my life? The question is, are you making a way for him to be in your life? Or do you continue to clutter it with sin and unrighteousness, causing God to not have preeminence in it? The moment he has preeminence in your life, in that regard, in that sense, you are perfect before God because his presence reigns in your life. Look at all the times in the Bible that the word word of God talks about being perfect. Don't tell me that God says that it's all right for us to go through life believing that you can never be perfect if he continued to command us to be perfect. But he's not talking about perfect in our actions. He's not saying that we're always going to say the right thing or do the right things. But your attitude and your heart toward God ought to be fixed. And you ought to be totally and completely dependent upon him. And you ought to make sure without a doubt that whatever you do, it's for his glory and his honor. And you need to put, it, put a place, uh, you need to protect your heart, protect your life, and protect your mind from sin and the influence of it so that God feels comfortable ruling and reigning on the throne of your life. And if you'll do that, then you'll be perfect before him. Oh, I'm not saying you'll be perfect without sin. His blood is the only thing that cleanses us. But you can indeed fulfill the biblical command. And so can I. Hey, this baton will not be passed by people who identify with the world they live in who continue to comply with the world they live in, who won't take up a stand and be faithful to the Word of God and the principles that he defines in the Word of God, that's not going to work. Because the faith is defined by the Word of God. And if we're not giving ourselves to it, then my friend, let me tell you something right now. The fact is, is that we are not going to pass the faith down to the next generation. It's not going to happen. Because the faith isn't what you make it. It's not what I make it. It's not my faith. It's his faith. And he defines what the faith is. Yes, the gospel. But also sanctification, consecration, separation. All the things that God defines in the word of God and shares with us through scripture. So run faithfully. You want to pass the baton successfully? You want to ensure that it gets from your hand to the next generation? Then my friend, make sure that you stand distinct and different from the world in which you live. Be faithful And true to the word of God. Be doctrinally sound. Not only run faithfully, but number two, run consistently. Run consistently. You need to stay the course. I need to stay the course. We can't be guilty of quitting before our course is over. Man, I mean to tell you, we watched Cody and we watched Josh take take their course around this track. they, They ran the race for the faith, but they had their course. My question is this, what would have happened if Cody or Josh would have stopped halfway through? How would the baton have been passed to the next generation? What if a mom or a dad starts in church and starts faithfully, but then throws in the towel and quits? What's going to happen to the next generation? Who's going to pass the baton? Well, let's just hope some church person comes along and gives them the gospel. My friend, it's not our job to win your children. It's your job to reach them. He gave them to you. And if we can be a help and an assistance in helping you reach them and training and teaching you how to do that more effectively, then that's what God intends, no doubt. But my friend, it's not up to the preacher to win your son or your daughter. You need to do that, you need to be faithful. We keep asking somebody else to raise our kids, whether it's the school system, whether it's the government, whether it's the church. My friend, it's time that we, as parents, take responsibility and raise our children and train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Don't expect others to do it. And that's true in our homes. We wouldn't expect somebody else to come in and meet our needs and to provide for us and to take over for us. We are going to be responsible. We got a God in heaven bigger than our problems. He's able to give us grace in the midst of turmoil. I'm going to trust God to fix my problems. I'm going to trust God to meet my needs. If God chooses to use a program or some kind of government situation, I guess that's okay. But my friend, let me tell you this. If you're just sitting around doing nothing and expecting others to take care of you and to meet your need and to ultimately provide for you and your next generation, my friend, you've mixed up what God intended for you. This baton will not be passed by people who give up halfway in their Christianity, who start strong but don't finish who go for a while but give up. It saddens my heart and it breaks my heart to watch folks that would started strong in the church and they walk away and their children are a mess today. Breaks my heart. And you know what happened? They didn't pass the baton. And you know what? We're not passing the baton either as a church to the world in which we live many times. God, help us to realize that we need to pass this baton. And if we're going to do that, we have to run faithfully. If we're going to finish strong, if we're not going to end or quit before our time is up, then, my friend, we've got to run faithfully. We've got to run consistently. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're excited about those two verses, and we ought to be. Praise God, it's grace. Praise God, it's faith. It's not works preacher, you saw that. It's not about whether I go to church. It's not whether I read my Bible and pray. It's not whether I live holy or separated. It's all God, it's all grace. Yes, it is. Hold on a second though, before you get too excited about that grace and faith, realize there's another verse that follows. Verse 10 says simply this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. but well, we like to jump on that grace bandwagon. But what about that works one? What about what happens after we've received Christ? What about after we've received the glorious salvation that he's given to us? That free gift. What are we to do as a result of our gratitude for the gift that God's given us? It's to take up the baton. It's to pass it to the next generation. It's to go forward for Christ and to live our life according to the word of God. How selfish we are sometimes. Living our lives the way we want to, doing our own thing, going our own way. We wonder, and we, we, we marvel why our culture and our society is going the direction it is when believers themselves have not taken up the cross, so to speak. haven't carried the baton, would it would be sad to think that you're running a race without it. Even after he handed it to you. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Boy, I'll tell you what. It's easy to get started. <laughs> they claim that gym, uh, that, that, uh, gym uh, memberships increase manyfold come January. Man, all you have to do is, is if you try to get into a gym on, in January, you're going to have to wait in line to use the, 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 the weight machine. You're going to have to wait in line to use uh, the, some kind of uh, equipment. But boy, you just go in March or, or April. You do go to March or April. Man, you just jump right on. I'm on. I almost said something I regretted right there. But anyway, the fact is, is that you can get right on the machines. You get right into the, the gym. You don't have any problem, but you won't in January. Why? Because people are good about starting strong. Man, we got great intentions, and I'm not opposed to good intentions, but my friend, let me tell you, good intentions are not going to pave the way for the next generation. We've got to stay and remain faithful to the end. We've got to continue to be consistent to the end. We've got to stick with the doctrine. We've got to stick with the truth. We can't give in and and go our own direction, our own way. And we've got to be consistent. We can't start strong and not finish. We're going to pass this baton on, this baton of faith. If we're going to really complete the race and our course, if we're going to make sure that the next generation is prepared and ready with the gospel and the truth of the word of God. If we're going to finish strong, then we have to run faithfully and run consistently. But finally, we need to run purposefully. Take your Bible, look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. The Bible tells us there, and the things... The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. The Apostle Paul here is speaking to his protege, Timothy. Timothy is a very special young man in the life of the Apostle Paul. And there in the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy, saying, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, Timothy, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. The same way that I took this baton of faith, the same way that I took this blessed book, the word of God, and I transmitted it, and I transferred it into your heart, Timothy, the same way that I passed it down to you, I want you to find some faithful men of God. I want you to find some people worthy of an investment. And I want to make sure that you give it to them just like I gave it to you. Because my time is up. The truth is, is that I'm in my last days. The fact is, is that I've ran my course. But you have a course yet to run. You're not finished yet, so carry that baton. Carry that baton of faith and give it to someone else that can carry it long after you're gone. See, Paul had Timothy. Paul had Timothy. The Bible actually tells us, In the book of Philippians chapter 2, turn there. Look at this. This is interesting. Chapter 2, verse 19. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. He's going to speak about Timothy here. He says something about Timothy that I find to be very intriguing and amazing. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. We read there, But I trust in the Lord Jesus... Is the Apostle Paul now, speaking to the church at Philippi. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort. Boy, Paul had a special place for the Philippians. Boy, his heart was knit with theirs. They had provided for him. They had met his needs so many times before. He says, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort. When I know your state, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. He said, you know, I really wish, uh, he said, I, I want to know your state. I want to know your status. I want to know where you're at. I want to make sure that you're where you belong in the faith. I want to make sure that you're not slipping or going the wrong direction. And, and I can't guarantee that I have someone like that that is, is capable, qualified, and, and that is trustworthy for this job. But hold on. I do have somebody, though. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ, but ye know the proof of him that, as a son with the Father, he has served me in the gospel. I got somebody I'm going to send your way. He's proven himself to have a heart like mine. You want to know why he had a heart like his? Because he had passed the baton. But as he took the time to invest in his life, he took the time to teach him, to train him, to encourage him, to lift him up, to exhort him. He understood that sooner or later he's going to pass off the scene, that before long he will no longer be there to minister to the churches. And he needed others that would minister to the churches like he did, that have his heartbeat, that have his desire, his longing for the people of God. And he invested in Timothy, his son in the faith, and he said, here is the faith. And he took the word of God and he took the faith and he passed it on to him and he put it in his hand and he said, now it's yours to run. My course is finished. Now it's time for you to take up yours. And young men, let me tell you, there's a course for you to run. Before you start thinking about how much money you can make and how much fame and notoriety and how, how well uh, you stand in the world's eyes, you need to think about the faith. You need to think about the baton of faith. You need to understand there's a world that's going to die and go to hell if somebody doesn't carry the gospel to them. So easy to get selfish, just like Paul talked about 2,000 years ago. To care about our own state. But truly, the key to finishing strong isn't just simply living your life and taking it to a grave with you. It's reproducing yourself in someone else. But you can't, you got to be careful what you reproduce in people, don't you? Hey, I, I have four kids. Do you know what I found to be the truth? It seems like they're so apt to pick up every bad thing that I do. It just seems it's so natural for them to do the things that I don't want them to do. And the things I want them to do, they don't do. Now, I'm not saying that they don't eventually pick that up too, but I'm telling you that if I say something stupid, guess what they say? Something stupid. Well, I don't know where my kids are learning to act like that. I probably do. Well, it's got to be the school. Really? Okay. Tell yourself that all day if you want. There's probably a little more to the truth than just simply the schools. Let me tell you that right now. So you got to be careful how you live the faith. That's why you have to live it faithfully. True to the doctrine. True to the, to the distinction. True to the Word of God, not what you define it to be. you got to run consistently. You can't start strong and then end or quit before you're finished. Don't, don't think for a minute the next generation, your children, your grandchildren, others don't see that. If it isn't important enough for you to run all the way through to the finish line, my friend, it ain't important enough for them to pick it up. And then run purposefully. Make it your goal in life. If you want to finish strong, make it your goal in life to ensure that somebody's going to pick up where you left off. That they're going to want to be in God's house like you want to be in God's house. That they're going to want to love, that they love the word like you love the word. That they study it like you study it. That they go out soul winning like you do. That they make it a big deal in their life. And big deal in their home. Big deal in their marriage like you do. And if you don't, you need to start doing those things. Because ultimately, you're going to pass on something. The question is, will you pass on the faith? Or will you pass on your faith? See, your faith gets nobody to heaven. The faith does. Your faith doesn't change a life. The faith does. Your faith won't comfort them in the midst of heartache and trouble. The faith will. Our series is entitled Finish Strong. And if we hope to finish strong as the Apostle Paul did, then we've got to finish our course. We've got to keep the faith we got to be faithful to the end. Paul said, for I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I fought the right battle. I didn't get mixed up in things that didn't matter. I made sure what I was battling, what I was fighting was a worthwhile battle, a worthwhile fight. And I finished my course. My leg of the race is coming to a quick end, he says. And I have kept the faith. I didn't deviate. I didn't try to rewrite. I didn't try to redefine what God said and what the Word of God teaches. No, I have stuck to it every, way, every, 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 every step of the way. And that's why Paul the Apostle successfully passed the faith down to the next generation. and The next generation obviously passed it down to the next. The next to the next. Until today, I stand before you passing down the faith. You stand before your family passing down the faith. You stand before your co-workers passing down the faith. You stand before your fellow students passing down the faith. You stand before your teachers in school passing down the faith. Because somebody a generation ago passed the baton of faith successfully. Somebody else was faithful. Somebody else was consistent. Somebody else was purposeful. Let's pass the baton of faith down to the next generation. Let's leave a legacy of faith. Let's finish strong. I wonder. Who will you impact? Who will you leave behind that will carry on your legacy of faith? Who will you pass the baton of faith to that will still be here after you're gone? That's finishing strong. If you need help figuring out how to do that where you're at in your life, you let me know. I'll give you some suggestions. Because it's important that we all finish strong. Not just preachers, not just staff, not just people that choose to be in Sunday schools, but everyone finishes strong. That's what God intends. Maybe you're lost without Christ today. I want you to know that somebody gave their life so that you'd have this book, The Word of God. They literally gave their life, shed their blood so that this book could be preserved through the ages. Oh, I know God preserved it, but he used men and women to do it. Somebody was willing to pay the ultimate price so that you would have the truth today. The truth that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again the third day, that only his perfect, precious blood can wash your sin away, that you need only by grace through faith accept and receive him, and your sin will be washed away, and you'll be whiter than snow. And that at that point then you can begin your work and your effort toward gratitude for all he's done for you by grace. He'll work in your life still extending his grace and enabling you to overcome so that you too can finish strong. Do you know for sure heaven's your home? Have you settled your soul's salvation? If you haven't, my friend, today you need to. When that music begins to play, you need to just boldly step out of your seat. You need to make your way forward, grab the uh, Brother Kavanaugh or myself and say, listen, I've got to know, I want to settle my soul's salvation. I don't want to go through life wondering if I'll be in heaven or not. I want to know from the Word of God how I can get that resolved and settled. We'll take a time to show you the Word of God. Not what a church believes, not what a pastor says. But what the Bible teaches, what God's Word teaches. Maybe you're a child of God already, but you've put the baton down to do degree. You hold the baton in your heart, but you aren't actively trying to pass it down. You're content to take it with you when you leave this earth without leaving it to somebody else to follow in your footsteps. What will you do with the baton of faith? You make a commitment to pass it on. And Then even, this, even, even seek advice on how you can do that effectively. It's important that we do these things. Father, we come to you. We thank you for all you mean to us and all you do for us. And we thank you for your salvation and your, just your, your grace and mercy in our lives. Today, Lord, we pray that you will speak to hearts and help us, Lord, to, f- to take steps to finish strong. As grandparents, may we be vocal with our grandchildren. May we try to get them in God's house and may we tell them about Jesus. And with our children, if they themselves have yet to come to Christ, may we be clear in our home as to who's in charge and who's preeminent and who deserves first place. And help us, Lord, to live our lives in a way that reflects positively on you and your word and be faithful to its doctrines, its truths. Lord, help us to pass the faith on today. Again, if there's someone that's lost, may they come forward and settle it today. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all